All right. So our month of October, our theme is going to be all about belonging. And so the sermons are going to reflect kind of we're going to talk about that as far as what that means to us as a congregation. And when I was thinking of a theme for today's sermon, I kept pondering upon the concept that we're all in this together, which then caused me to think about a concept of beloved community. I believe that the first time I was really exposed to this concept of beloved community was when I went into the ministry. In Meadville each year, um, in, in January, the first week, all the staff, the students, alumni, and any supporters of Meadville Lombard Theological Seminary gather to worship and to be together as a beloved community. And I remembered my first January gathering. It was my first year of seminary, and I was a student. I was full of excitement, wonderment, and awe, as I said in the meeting that January morning. It is always a wonderful spiritual experience to gather and reflect upon what does it mean to be a UU and what does it mean to be called to be a minister and the work that we can be engaged with. And as we gathered that morning for worship, the auditorium was overflowing, and our singing filled the space with joy, with beauty, and with power. As a part of the worship that morning, a story from an unknown author called The Touchstone was shared. In the story, a man learns of a stone that when it meets any metal, will turn the metal to pure gold. The stone is said to be found on a stone-covered beach. While it will look ordinary when you pick it up, it will feel warm in your hand. And the man immediately goes in search of the stone, and each day he spends the entire day picking up stones, and when they are cold, he throws them into the sea so as not to pick up the same stone twice. Hour after hour, day after day, month after month, he picks up stones and throws them into the sea. But one day, in the afternoon, after hours of throwing stones, he picks up a stone. It feels warm in his hand, and before he can stop himself, he throws it into the sea. So caught up in the routine and habit, when he finally comes across what he has been looking for, he throws it away. This can happen in our lives. We can become so caught up in routine that we forget what is most important. Without mindfulness and intention, we can lose sight of our core values, our deepest commitments, even our largest purpose. There are two reasons our touchstone seeker failed in his quest. The reason given by the story is a lack of mindfulness to what he was really doing to the real work. The other reason I have come to understand is that he tried to do it alone. No great task is ever accomplished alone. In this moment where creativity, ingenuity, fortitude, and resiliency are so needed, it's going to take all of us to move our world, to move our faith forward in ways of truth compassion, and justice. And hope comes not from some optimistic dream, but with a clear-eyed view of the truth, a community of people to sustain us, and the knowledge that we have choices about how we live, 
what we will value, what we will name, what we will teach our children and grandchildren, and how we will show up for and with each other. Our values and commitments matter, and when we can join to live them out, we nurture hope, and we build the power needed for change. It is our nature to be in this together and to know, and many have called this nature of that longing to create a beloved community. Now, beloved community is what happens when we engage love and our power in a dynamic dance. Navigating the tension between our power and our love, the life work and the soul work that every individual, every group, every culture, every generation must choose in order to live lives of connection, creativity, joyfulness, vitality, and deep engagement with life. When we are engaged in this work, we experience beloved community. And beloved community holds its core the promise to one another of mutual trust and support, without which it could not be beloved. The theology of beloved community is the doctrine of church that every universalist, unitarian congregation and program must live into. What must we do to become the beloved community? What must happen to shape this theology? How can we embrace and leverage a covenant of trust and support? Early in our UU history, the Reverend Jose Ballou founded the Hopedale Community in Milford, Massachusetts. And he and his followers purchased 600 acres of land in which they built homes, community members, chapels, and factories. Ballou believed that he could create an utopian community, blending the features of a factory town with those of a religion-based commune. He called this practical Christianity, but unlike several similar communities, it was important to Ballou that Hopedale would not be isolated from the rest of society. And so the community stood for temperance, abolitionism, women's rights, spiritualism, and education. And the Hopedale community was founded upon Ballou's universalist beliefs. Hopedale community was more concerned with equality, love, sharing, than it was about the dogmas of religion. Fourteen years after the land was purchased, Hopedale went bankrupt. But since that time, the concept of beloved community has been talked about and worked towards. Dr. Martin Luther King believed in the concept of a beloved King community, and Dr. King's beloved community was not devoid of interpersonal group or international conflict. Instead, he recognized that conflict was an inevitable part of the human experience but he believed that conflicts could be resolved peacefully and adversaries could be reconciled through a mutual determined commitment to each other. And all conflicts in a beloved community could end with reconciliation of of adversities cooperating in a spirit of friendship and goodwill. Now many Americans are seeking faith communities that are religious and spiritual In our congregation here in Peoria, 
Reverend Linda and myself as your minister and other leaders try to create opportunities for each of you to have a religious and a spiritual opportunities that nurture spirituality and encourage you to find your own spiritual and your own truth. The Universalist Unitarian Doctrine of Beloved Community won't happen on its own. Beloved Community is built upon the promise of mutual trust and support, and this will not happen without all of you working towards it. It is not easy. It may be the most challenging focus you have ever done. Some even say it might require a miracle. So there's a lesson in a story that was told to me several years ago by the rabbi Lawrence Kushner, and I quote, Jewish tradition says that the splitting of the Red Sea was the greatest miracle ever performed. It was so extraordinary that on that day even a common servant beheld more than all the miracles beheld by Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel combined. And yet, we have one Jewish writer that mentions two Israelites, Ravin and Shimon, who had a different experience. And I quote, Apparently, the bottom of the sea, though safe to walk on, was not completely dry, but a little muddy, like a beach at low tide. And Ravin stepped into it and curled his lip, What is this muck? Shimon scowled, there's mud all over the place. This is just like the slime pits of Egypt, replied Ravon. What's the difference, complained Shimon. Mud here, mud there, it's all the same. And so it went for the two of them, grumbling all the way across the bottom of the sea. And because they never once looked up, they never understood why, on the distant shore, everyone else was singing songs of praise for Ravine and Shimon, the miracle never happened. For Ravine and Shimon, they simply couldn't get past the muck on their feet. We all have muck on our feet. All of those issues and challenges that get in the way of moving forward. Some of them are personal, others may be part of this congregational's history and some are a part of our association. For decades, even centuries, many have been complaining about the muck they see everywhere, unable to keep their eyes on the prize, which is the promise of a beloved community. How sad, how frustrating, how inspiring, some would say it's hopeless. But let me give a resounding no. We are all hope-filled people. Our faith has been built upon hope. Hope, Jim Wallace reminds us, is believing despite the evidence and then watching the evidence change. Let us go forth from this place this day with hope in our hearts, ready to sing songs of celebration and justice, committed not merely to watching, but making the evidence change as we work together here in Peoria, Illinois, in this congregation, to build a beloved community. 
I am a firm believer that part of our learning to build a beloved community is to take the time to celebrate our successes. And so, in preparing this sermon, I thought back from February to, to, to this day, and I would like to share with you and identify for you so that you may celebrate what I claim as your successes as a congregation during this transition period so far. In February, a stewardship program was put together and rolled out with a goal that was higher than we'd ever had before. But as a congregation, you responded. We we had 28 new pledging units and we came within 3.8% of actually making that goal. That's a success. That worth celebrating about. At the same time when that was going on, the board contacted you, each member of the board contacted different people in the congregation and asked you to give them a name of someone who you would recommend to be on the search committee. And you responded again. And a search committee was put together and names were presented and approved. And they are busily working to conduct a wonderful search and getting all the paperwork and everything else necessary. And along with that, they put together a survey and once again you responded with a great success. And these are worth celebrating because these things I call a celebration of you being engaged. When we came together at our annual meeting and we had to present a budget to you and it was $4,500 short, once again you stepped forward and responded and filled the gap. We held a flower communion that hadn't been done here for a while in the church and you responded and those attended learned the concept of how each of us are unique but when we come together we make a beautiful community. You came together again in July and supported a rummage sale that had raised the most so far ever and provided for this community around the church opportunities for people to come and buy things that they might not have been able to afford. And in September, you came together again for our water communion and learned about how we can nurture each other this year and how we can support one another. And then last Sunday, you came together again and in groups collected your thoughts and dreamed and visions about what you envision this congregation to be in a year, in three years, and in five years. These are worth celebrating These are moments of success in the life of this congregation during this transition period. I salute you. I praise you. I am grateful for you and the work that you are doing to prepare for a settled minister. So where do we go from here? May I offer three things 
that each of us can do. The first one is attitude. Check your attitude, and may I ask you as we move forward to adopt an attitude of what can I do to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. We are a community, and as we move, continue to move forward through this transition, your attitude will make all the difference. Changes will happen, that's a part of life, but you have the power to decide what you will do. Will you sit and complain and not be open to new ideas or new approaches, or will you be part of drafting a new solution, of finding new ways to do things, of looking at new ideas? Number two, recognize that grief is a part of this transition process. You miss your minister Michael and Diane, and you miss the stability that Michael's ministry brought to you. And missing Michael and Diane is understandably, and it's okay. Allow yourself time to grieve and to celebrate all that Michael and Diane brought you and taught you and made you what you are. So please, take time to grieve. And those of you who need, I'm always available to come in and talk about that. Number three, realize I am not Michael. And that as your transitional minister, I am here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to prepare you as a congregation and as individuals for the next step in the life of this church. My role will continue to always hold up a mirror and ask you to look and to examine why we do things and ask you to look at what you see. Reverend Linda and I need your support as we need all of us working together in a covenant to begin to create this beloved community. And so we are all in this together. Take time to celebrate your individual and your collective successes. Take time to grieve and realize that we are all in this together and that we are striving to build a beloved community where all people, regardless of race, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of anything else, can feel welcome and come and be a part of what we have here. And I can tell you that there are people here in Peoria that don't know it but are waiting for what we have here. And so I challenge you in this coming year as we go forward that you will look for ways in which you can share, ways in which you can invite, ways in which you can bring people here to see 
what we have. I love you. I congratulate you. You are wonderful. Don't forget that. May it be so.